You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts. Hi, this is Caitlin Martin. I'm Towner French. This is Patrick Martin. This is Mark Alderman. This is Howard Schweitzer. All right, it's the holiday edition. It's Howard Schweitzer along with Mark Alderman, Patrick Martin, Towner French, and Caitlin Martin. And uh, guys, it's our it's our last episode of the year. I think it's episode number forty one or forty two, something like that, for twenty twenty one, which is pretty cool. It's kind of it's kind of cool. I mean, we've we have Mark been doing this now in one form or another for. Yeah. A lot of a lot of years and five, six years, maybe. Yeah. And so we've kept it going. One of those rare blogs, social media, whatever things that that uh we keep going and that people say they're gonna do and then they, they don't they don't follow through. But here we are on year number five or whatever it is. So because we to, give we give the people what they want, Howard. Exactly. And and speaking of what the people <laughs> want, we'll we'll obviously get into everything that happened over the weekend. But um, let's start. It's our it's our Christmas Carol edition of the Beltway <laughs> Briefing, and uh, one of us, namely me, this year, I did not complete the assignment. Uh, so I went full millennial on you, Patrick, this year. I think but, you. I think let's let's discuss. You won, you, last, you won last year, so right. I feel like you get a pass. It's that was your prize. Okay, very good, very good. I like that. I like yeah, that. that Michael Jordan thing going out on top, Patrick. Exactly. Exactly. MJ. His name is on every piece of athletic clothing, clothing in the United States of America now. So why why not invoke? It's uh, definitely on every piece that you own with the University of Michigan Jumpman uh, Association. You've never you've seen me wear. You've never seen me wear Michigan attire, Patrick. <laughs> Speaking of which, will there be a national championship game? That's uh, one of the topics we should debate here on the Beltway Briefing this week. But yes, but no fans. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, sadly. You Jake and I are your flight. Yes, Jake and I are canceling our refundable tickets to Indianapolis. But all right, Caitlin, do you have a Christmas carol? <laughs> oh gosh, don't make me go first. Well, let's just start by uh, I will not quit my day job, guys. <laughs> so my Christmas carol today is to the tune of Jingle Bells. I will not be singing it. However, here it goes. Dashing through December in a divided 50-50 Senate sleigh, giving one last gift to remember, Manchin will not obey. He chose Fox News to sink it on a Sunday when senators went home. The Build Back Better Act is scuttled and President Manchin stands all alone. Democrats, Democrats, Democrats in disarray. Oh, what fun it will be for Republicans to slide into the majority. Democrats, <laughs> Democrats, Democrats in disarray. Oh, what fun it will be for Republicans to slide into the majority. Trillions already in spending, and still they ask for more. Inflation and gas prices spiking, but Dems want to give up the store. The GOP is ready for November, when fiscal sanity can once again prevail, and socialist spending priorities will once again surely fail. Democrats, Democrats, Democrats in disarray. <laughs> oh, what fun it will be for Republicans to slide back into the majority. 
Beautiful. That's very all I got good. for you guys. Very good. That very good. good. We should have done a happy hour edition. That would have been a lot easier after a couple glasses of wine. <laughs> That was excellent. The majority was, was a nice touch. That was very yes. cold ish there. Yes. That was, was excellent. Brought a French element to the uh, <laughs> yeah, right. way briefing. Mark, I, I feel that you must follow. Caitlin. I will follow because mine is apolitical, but a sign of the times. Uh, this is to the tune of I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. And like Caitlin, who set a very good example. There will be no singing in in my presentation. So I'm dreaming of a COVID-free Christmas, just like the ones we used to know, where families gather and case counts don't matter and friends can safely come and go. I'm dreaming of a COVID-free Christmas wherever our cousin families lived, May joy follow every gift you give, and may all of your tests be negative. <laughs> that was a great perfect. One, Mark. That was beautiful. Perfect. Happy Christmas! Very, very good. All right, I like that it. was for you, Patrick. I loved it. That was very good. <laughs> that was for Patrick's family. <laughs> Towner. Well, so I did a jingles, Jingle Bells too, but Caitlin's was 10 times better than mine. So I'm just going to add, as the newbie, I'm just going to add the uh, the kid version of Jingle Bells. Jingle Bells, Congress smells, mansion laid an egg. BBB <laughs> lost its wheels and the midterms got away. Hey! <laughs> Very I good, Tyler. He did sing it. <laughs> he did. He yeah. Singing it, that that puts you up Founder. there, Tyler. Bring bring your kids in from the pool and have them sing with you. Absolutely not. That is not happening. <laughs> All right. Our man in Chicago. Our man in Chicago is frozen. Oh, I froze for a sec. Whoop. Yes, he did. Boy, I was nervous there. Patrick, you're up. I'm up. Okay. This one is from the heartland. Um, oh, little town of Washington. O little town of Washington, how small and petty we see thee lie. Above thy weak and partisan streak division you can buy. Yet in thy watering hole shineth the smiles of lobbyists served right. The hopes and fears as budget years are scored with pure delight. For Joe Biden is the president, a gift from the one above. But while he sleeps, the staff must keep their watch to make sure Harris doesn't give him a shove. Oh, morning shows on Sunday used to make such constant news. So praises sing to Manchin the King for making them less of a snooze. Oh, little town of Washington, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the expensive cars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth, the Capitol dome glows bright. But the hopes and fears and pleading tears won't change the country's plight. All right. Very good. All creativity on this podcast today. Oh, very well done. Very well done. All right. So we all, uh, you all alluded to it, and or, or three of you did anyway, in your uh, annual Christmas carols. Joe Manchin went on Fox News and sunk Build Back Better, which, I, you know, I sunk at least for the moment. Sunk. I don't. I don't know, Patrick. The you have friends in in mansion world. Is this is this 
done done or is it done for now? He said this piece of legislation, like where do you think, what do you think the White House woke up to this morning from a mindset perspective as it relates to what they were trying to accomplish? Yeah, well, I'm I'm wondering if they're having a little bit of a hangover from the reaction that you saw out of the White House right after. I mean, just to set the table, one, it was already agreed upon that we weren't voting on anything this year, right? So it's not like that was a surprise. Two, his comments were absolutely more direct uh, and clear than anything we've heard thus far. And I think the White House felt frustrated based on where they thought the conversation was going into the weekend. But if you followed Manchin, you know that he's one, unpredictable, uh, but two, he's also had serious concerns from the beginning and he's been calling for a pause. He's he's not comfortable uh, with the scope and size of what Democrats want to do. And no amount of lobbying from the White House or congressional leadership uh, is going to change that. And, you know, so I, I think my guess is what you're going to see is everyone's going to cool off for the rest of the year. And then leadership in the White House are going to try to work with him to see what can get done. Is there some type of scaled back, just families provision, um, you know, child tax credit, maybe something on paid family leave if it's a smaller package and you can get part of it paid for, um, you know, and, and they're just going to see what kind of the art of the possible is, which by the way, is the like exact same place we would have been uh, early next year. Anyway, it's just, it was done in a much more dramatic way. But if you talk to folks close to, to Senator Manchin, I mean, where I really was surprised, I was a little surprised at the way in which Senator Manchin does it, but he, he likes, he he's enjoying the moment, likes being unpredictable, likes, you know, kind of mixing it up. The white house came out super hot. I mean, way, 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 way too hot. And I, I mean, I'm watching Twitter. I'm watching cable news. I'm listening to all of these comparisons, like how would FDR and LBJ have handled this? Like, and I, I got to just say, I think that that is crazy talk. It is a 50-50 Senate. Right. You got to have the, the guy on board. And if you don't, you don't get anything. And anyone who wants to try and spin that as like, well, we just need to put more pressure on him or what? I don't even know what that means. And in fact, it could have the opposite result with Senator Manchin. So I think if, if they try to embarrass him and if they try to get moderates to come out with statements, I, I think it's going to push him farther away. He, he is not going to be bullied by Democratic leadership. So that's just the reality. Yeah, we've seen this play before, though. It, it's a Manchin special and with the Voting Rights Act, he declared it dead, couldn't get there, tried to get to yes, failed, said no. They handed him the pen. They said, OK, write down what you're willing to do. And now there is voting rights legislation with Manchin support that also isn't going to pass the Senate because it needs 60 votes or a reform of the filibuster. But I think that's where we're headed, Howard. I I think it was a little unfortunate <laughs> that it was Fox News and Sunday and a staffer gave the White House a half an hour heads up. But all the hot rhetoric, Patrick, I, I think it doesn't it doesn't amount to a hill of beans at the end of the day. It's what Biden and Manchin discuss. 
And it's what Manchin writes down he's willing to do. There will be legislation. It will be less than the current draft to build back better. It will, in fact, be written by President Manchin and yeah. supported by Senator Biden. And, and we will end up somewhere with, by the way, a continued opportunity for our clients to get into the act, because at least in terms of opportunity, the door is wide open. Howard, you texted our kind of group over the weekend, a, a great line, which is which is true that, you know, senators all think that they can or should be president. And in Joe Manchin's case, this moment in time is the closest to being in charge of the universe he's ever going to get. And it is just not in human nature to give up that type of power and leverage, particularly to people that you don't really care about that much, like the Democratic Party or leadership. Not, not, especially not if you drive a Maserati. And, then and live on a houseboat. And I just like one other thing, and I want to hear the Republican perspective too. I just can't begin, like the, the text I had with Democratic friends of mine, I can't begin to tell these people how little Joe Manchin cares about how upset they are and how it affects the party. He doesn't care. He's got the power. He's got the leverage. And they just, they can't, it, it's infuriating because they don't really like him. They don't think he's a real Democrat. They don't think he's being a good foot soldier. And he's not being a good foot soldier. And that's not his his job. It's so, I just don't know what to tell people. His job is to represent the state of West Virginia, which is a Trump plus 30 state whatever it is it's yeah. like yeah but, but which also if the polling is to be believed and of course it, it's suspect but if the polling's to be believed 60 something percent of west virginians support the core elements of this yeah so but I, I challenge I mean, anybody not. on this podcast to even tell me what the core of this is and well, I and challenge. Also, who do you, do you, what do you trust more? Who do you trust more to know what West Virginia thinks? I, I think it's the only Democrat who, in modern day times, could get elected there. I mean, he. I mean, the guy clearly knows his state. I, I just. I mean, I trust him that. And I think, in fact, everything he's doing right now is only reinforcing the narrative that he, with his constituents that he's looking out for them and not. Yeah. Well, and this and, isn't, and Mark, this isn't about power. It's about policy at the end of the day there are legitimate policy disagreements and i it's not salute and, and pass the bill there are le, like there are very legitimate policy differences here i think that's exactly true i think that Manchin, unlike a lot of people in this town actually believes most of what he says but do not underestimate Patrick's point that right now, for the first and only time in his life, he is the master of the universe. And that's an element of this. He doesn't have to compromise. And I think he ultimately will. But he's going to play this. He was dealt a very strong hand. And you don't get into this game of being a United States senator if you don't love playing that hand. Okay. So, Caitlin and Towner, this is a really, really easy time to say very little. 
we don't on have your play. side of the aisle. <laughs> but what do you want to we say, Caitlin? They're Christmas carols, say it all. So here's what I would say. I get really frustrated. Well, a lot of things frustrate me when I log into Twitter and see, you know, some journalists, media, some far, you know, some progressive voices saying one senator scuttled Biden's agenda. No, 51, potentially 52 U.S. senators do not support this. And we have a democracy in this nation. And this is the problem with using these reconciliation bills and vehicles and not trying to build bipartisan consensus for things like an extension of a, a moderate, reasonable child tax credit. There's Republican support for some of this. Why are we trying to jam a massive package that fundamentally alters the social fabric of this nation, creates billions of dollars in new programs, trillions of dollars in new programs, if they actually last 10 plus years, which we know they will. And why are we trying to do it in a one way, jam it through, not be thoughtful about it from a policy, public policy perspective? That's the problem. It's not Senator Manchin derailing the agenda. It is 51, I think 52 U.S. senators that are uncomfortable with this bill. I might just add, I've been very vocal about uh, how I don't think Republicans are doing a very good job of trying to win the Senate in the midterm elections. In the House, they don't have to do anything to win the House. But in the Senate, they actually have to go win the Senate. And Democrats, quite frankly, progressives right now uh, over the next few weeks are about to say to the Republicans, hold my beer. Uh, because they're going to go out there and they're going to lose the Senate immediately by ripping Joe Manchin a new one and making him the 51st Republican senator, potentially even, because at some point, at some point, when Schumer's already announced this morning that he's going to put Build Back Better on the floor as soon as they return in January, he's going to put voting rights on the floor. Uh, and as soon as they return in January, he's going to put the filibuster on the floor. All these things are going to fail, by the way. Uh, at some point, either Mansion or Cinema is going to decide. You know, I just I'm done. I've had enough of this. I've had enough of getting ripped apart by my own party instead of having them work with me as though I'm part of the team. And one of them's going to jump ship. And then Biden's not going to have any nominees for the rest of the year. He's not going to have any judges for the rest of the year. And it's going to be uh, look what we've done. It's worse than it was before. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, though. I really don't. I don't think. I don't think, I don't think so either. I don't think, I think they're going to run parties. I, I actually think like the analogy. I thought maybe one of you guys were going to bring up, but we all kind of lived it. it. It, you know. You don't have to look that far back to remember one single senator. John McCain. Uh, yeah, just saying, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and there's nothing you guys can say to change my mind. And I don't know if that, what we don't know yet is, as we get into early next year, is that what Manchin's saying? Is this a John McCain thumbs down moment and Build Back Better's dead? Or is this a, we're going to do this on my terms? And we're going to we're going to create a bill that I want because to your point, Towner, Manchin has been there on some other things. Right. Uh, mm. And this is the, the part that and I feel well, like just, just a mathematical footnote. Uh, McCain was the third Republican right. no vote, right. which makes it a little different, although Caitlin may be right that there are two Democratic no votes. But. But McCain wasn't kidding. He he wasn't saying, "Give me the pen and I'll rewrite the Affordable Care Act." Yeah, was, if you're uh, if you're a Democrat Manchin, and you're hopeful, something I knew good is going to come McCain, out of this. Manchin's no McCain. 
No, I, right. And I think if you're a Democrat and if you're hopeful, if there's an optimism that something good will come out of this, in in my thinking, I've talked to some other Democrats today, said the same thing. Maybe it's a better, more targeted plan that's easier to sell to people. Because I just don't think what Build Back Better is right now it's is very easy line. to explain to the American public. I just don't. And if I don't think so, I can't imagine a lot of, like, a lot of people just out in the country really understand it either, right? So maybe maybe Manchin in the end of the day will be doing the party a favor by scaling down and clarifying what this bill's about and then forcing Republicans to be against it. Uh, well, you know. And you know, the other thing that I'd mentioned is the non-political people that I'm talking to are saying, hey, look, let's use reconciliation to its fullest extent. Let's start breaking this thing up. Let's work with Manchin issue by issue. Let's pass reconciliation pieces issue by issue if we need to. Um, you know, each one of these in the Senate, the way they've constructed Build Back Better is it is 12 titles that are each individual committee's uh, section. And certainly the finance committee where all the tax increases, things like that are, are contained is a huge piece. But every other committee's piece is, I mean, we're talking between 20 and 80 pages for the most part. And it's it's a digestible piece of policy that you can negotiate solely on. Uh, and so, you know, you can break this thing up. You can use reconciliation to do that. Uh, still having that 50 vote simple majority, uh, 51 vote simple majority. And you can you can move it through the process if you really wanted to get into to legislating. Towner, do you think that the Republicans will play ball on any of this? No. The potentially bipartisan pieces of what's been tossed out of Build Back Better, like Caitlin was just saying. I mean, if they brought back some of those pieces that were bipartisan, that were removed when the bill in the House was scaled from $3.5 trillion down to $1.75 trillion, I think there's an opportunity to work together somewhat. It depends on how many pieces, in my opinion, there are. Because if there's you know a couple pieces that are just fractured, build back better into two sections or three sections or four, it's going to still hold the, the name build back better above all. And that's politically toxic to Republicans. But if they start, you know, look, there's an innovation opportunity here. I, I was mentioning to somebody this morning, on-year election bills, Cures Act, Jobs Act, these are innovative, forward-looking uh, pieces of legislation, the financial services sector, sector and the health sector, um, we're already talking about other bipartisan pieces of legislation that were outside of Build Back Better that could move in the election year. And so I think you, you know, Build Back Better, you wipe out that name. You're done with that name. I agree. I And, and uh, like content aside, I totally agree because look at. Look at the year that they've had legislatively, historic COVID relief package, bipartisan infrastructure bill passed. It's like Democrats can't just accept success sometimes. It drives me crazy. It's like, let's go into next year, work on some, why this has been set up as the threshold for if we failed or succeeded, I will never understand because it was always going to be a really heavy lift. And we've done a lot of really good things have happened this year. And it's frustrating. I don't know, Mark, if you feel that way. I'm frustrated by it. I am very frustrated and disappointed that we have not only lost the narrative, we don't even have a story to tell. The story, as you just said, was by default, it's build back better or nothing. And without it, we have failed to govern. Not true, not 
factual. The storytelling by the Biden administration is even worse than the Obama administration rollout of the Affordable Care Act, which you and I Mm -hmm. remember painfully well, Patrick. I think we've done a better job than we're reporting, but it's our own damn fault that we that we can't tell the story. Just one one uh, ironic footnote on on the arithmetic to uh, to Towner's point about breaking it into pieces. It's going to be really annoying when we can't get two hundred eighteen votes in the house. For one of these pieces, right? Don't don't forget. I mean, they are scorned right now. They are so scorned. Without some Republican support, we may not get anything through the House. Well, who who is they? Because I think if you look at where we are, all of this is. I mean, what's happened this year is a victory for moderates. Mm -hmm. You know, moderates right got the infrastructure bill through a bipartisan infrastructure bill, as you said, Patrick. And it's it's a the moderates outmaneuvered the progressives. Um, Except for so call call Jen Saki Howard and tell her how to tell that story, please. Well it's it's kind of crazy because roll the tape back 12 months. We were sitting at the end of 2020 we knew Biden was going to be the president and we thought the Senate was going to be a Republican Senate. And along came the Georgia elections and, you know, approximately a year ago and they changed and they changed everything. And all of a sudden you went from the Biden administration, the incoming Biden administration planning to govern on the basis of a regulatory agenda and executive action and the the senate became 50-50 with Kamala as the tiebreaker and and all of a sudden we went from like no legislative agenda to thinking Tanner this goes to your point that you've been making all year thinking you can you can conquer the world right and it, it they they got out over their skis and yeah, Jen Psaki needs to needs to recalibrate the narrative, and Joe Biden does. I mean, the, the one, yeah, the one thing though, Howard, which is very important to a lot of us Democrats, I'm sure Patrick will agree. The one thing that Georgia did do was judges. Biden has appointed yeah. more federal court judges at this time in his administration than any president in history. That doesn't happen with Mitch McConnell running the Senate. No. And some of us would trade those judges for all the agony of build back better failing. We have a great story to tell. We do that for a living, the five of us. Any one of us could do a better job of telling it, even Towner and Caitlin, than the Biden administration is. So let's draw straws. Somebody call the White House and tell them how to tell this stupid story before it's too late. 
Yeah, but it, let me let me say one thing on judges real quick. Judges happen generally when you don't have an agenda in the Senate, when you have no governing authority. So Biden has gotten more in his first year than anybody else. He has 20. Trump got 200 over four years, which means in the back of the three and four year presidential cycle, they didn't have any legislating to do. So all they did was judges. And what you're you're going to win on your 20, you're going to jeopardize the 180 you can get in the next three years, which actually means something at the end of the day. Yeah, it's not a bad point. I mean, keeping the Senate majority to enhance what Mark brought up, which has been a big victory, that should be a greater consideration. And it could all be in jeopardy. Right. And we haven't even talked about Omicron. I mean, talking about a year ago, Howard, I never would have thought. Uh, when we did this podcast last year, we'd be talking about a 20-some mutation, mutated form of COVID-19 that... <laughs> Patrick, I, don't, I didn't think you'd ever be counting mutations oh on anything. That, <laughs> Just that to be clear. Experts on TV that said yesterday... Kids. That talk yeah. about something that really, to all the headlines and everything with COVID, that public health experts are saying early data shows may be equally as contagious as the measles. I mean, that like that is just stunning and so, so uh, scary for a lot of us. There's only one issue. I, I have been saying it. I said it about the 2020 election. I'm going to say it about the 2022 election. There's only one issue. It's covid. Biden promised he was going to get it under control. He didn't. It's not actually his fault. We can argue about the legality of the mandate and all that rah-rah. But nature is working full-time against the president. Yeah. And, and that's going to determine what happens the next time Americans go to the polls. Wait, you know, wait, is COVID happening right now? Because I'm in Florida and it doesn't seem like <laughs> There's no COVID in Ron DeSantis' Florida towner. Right I told, you, I told yeah. you this. Yeah. Towner, if you're in Florida, I'm wearing a mask for the podcast. You <laughs> uh, we were in. You don't want any transmission over the internet. No, I'm taking no chances. We were so in the grocery store two days ago and people were staring at us as though we were in a zoo uh, <laughs> because we had our masks on in the grocery store. So. The other day, a friend of mine texted me a tweet that said, it's a point in time in America where the Glenn Youngkins from Carlisle Group and Dave McCormick's West Point Treasury in Bridgewater, who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, Maybe. in theory, in theory are yep. badly needed in the Republican Party to restore some stability, get Trump voters without being Trump. Um, to which I replied... A billionaire con man and a couple of PE bosses vying for the soul of the working class. It's yeah, welcome Mark, to America. Mark and Patrick, your party is being outfoxed for the voters that should be a layup historically for the Democratic Party by a con man and a bunch of private equity people. Like, how is this e even possible? And, and this is why, I mean, the Democrats, they have no economic message. And Build Back Better wasn't an economic message. It was, I don't even know what the message is. It's people call it a climate bill. It's not really a climate bill. It's, and I maintain that the Democratic Party, that, that what I just said about the Republicans is actually a commentary on the Democrats. 
because the Democrats are allowing that to happen. And Biden should come out in the new year. Yes, Omicron is horrible. COVID is horrible. But the economy is, and, and we got issues, supply chain and inflation and COVID. And, but there are good stories to tell too. And there is a direction to point this country in that's positive and good stuff that's happening. And Biden needs to come out in the new year and reclaim the bully pulpit. Stop screwing around with legislation that in a 50-50 Senate and, and take charge. He can do it. And frankly, the country needs it. Take charge. Don't try to solve all the world's problems. Don't pretend you can control a virus that you can't control. Nobody can control it. It's a virus. And, and uh, you know, there's certainly a governmental political dimension to it, but, and point this country in, in the right direction. Articulate a narrative that people can rally around, people no matter where you come from. You know, when he went, I'll stop my monologue in a second, but when he went down to Kentucky um, last week in the wake of the tornadoes, there were heavily Trump country. I think it was the most... One of the places he visited, or if not the only place, was the most red country uh, county, I think, in, in Kentucky. And I read lots of articles and, and saw lots of commentary where people <clears throat> that had supported Trump, that do support Trump, were coming out and saying, well, I'm glad he's here. And, you know, crisis and natural disaster has a way, a unique a unique way of, of um, unifying people. But gosh... Bottle up some of that sentiment. Bottle up. There's some positive economic stuff going on. Yeah, there's bad stuff, but like focus the country in a productive direction. Totally agree. I, 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 I totally agree. And I wonder if Omicron will, in a way, take some of the immediate attention off Build Back Better, which frankly I think would, <laughs> would be whether or not the White House wants to admit it or not, you know, you got to meet people where they are. And to your point, Howard, the country is craving leadership, normalcy, and it's not going to come through the form of a piece of legislation passed through a process most Americans don't understand or care to understand anyway. It's just that that isn't what defines a successful presidency. Yeah. And people, yeah. I totally agree with you. People are not where, Caitlin, yeah. they're not where AOC is and they're not That's where... They're not where Donald Trump is. Like, that's they're, they're, exactly what I was going to say. As yeah. long as you know, as long as the Democratic Party continues to focus on the Brooklyn, L.A., Chicago, Martha's, uh, Nantucket. I mean, that's not. He should spend mm. more time in places like Red Kentucky and talk oh, to did, real Americans. He did spend and Thanksgiving on Nantucket. I I'm going to recommend did. that he not do that next year. And but where should he go, Mark? Political reasons. Where, where should he David. go? Go to Camp David. You literally have a place that's for that purpose. Just go to Camp David. All, the, always. The, the tragedy here of Joe Biden and I'm praying Howard that he can do exactly what you're telling him to. The tragedy is that he tells a compelling, convincing, personal story. And he got elected to do what you're telling him to go out and do. But he just can't do it when he's talking about the country. 
He can do it when he's talking about Joe Biden and what he's been through in his life. If he could just bottle that and go back to Kentucky and tell that story for the country, it, we we could have a different 2022. You know, he's too busy placating. And, and look, the, the progressives, yes, he's too busy placating the progressives. And I think even some of what he's doing is is just that. It is giving them enough to show them that he tried. But I don't know, like if he wants to actually unify the country, he's got to go to where Joe Manchin is, not where, right? Not where yeah. you know, so, pick any member on the left is. Yeah. Jayapal yeah. is. He's not going to be invited to any of those districts after yesterday. <laughs> so I think you know, my, and I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Mark and Patrick's side a little bit on this because I I still think Joe Biden is a moderate person and in his politics. And I think his administration is not. But I think the Pisaki comments the other day that that everybody took, whoa, I think those are Joe Biden's comments because Joe Biden does not care for people who go against their word or who leave a negotiation that's being he held in good off faith. On it. He signed and, off on the statement. So, absolutely. Yeah. And it, because because Manchin did what Joe Biden hates the most. And it's not a political issue. It's to break the handshake, to break your word that you're going to sit down and have a conversation with me and we're going to come to an agreement. And I, I think that's I think Joe Biden was really upset about the personal nature or maybe impersonal nature in which Manchin decided to break that conversation that they were having in good faith behind the scenes. And I don't, I don't blame Joe Biden for that in any way, shape or form, to be honest with you. And I don't think it was a, it was a playgate, the progressives attack. I took the statement yesterday to be Joe Biden was personally hurt by a person in Manchin who he thought was a good friend who, who showed him up in a big way. I don't know. My two cents. They should get on the house. No, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. Maybe they but should you know get what? on the houseboat and go for a ride around the Potomac. Yeah, and exactly. Here. You don't make a statement through your press secretary. You call the guy and you yeah, tell well, him. Well, I guess Manchin didn't answer. He tried. Well, but well, here's, here's the thing. Here, let me, let, let, I will say made this. the statement Man, first. Yeah, here, I will say this. Down. Manchin, the one thing, this is the problem with the White House apparatus, and you saw it with the, with the Jen Psaki statement is that Manchin didn't trust that the White House wouldn't try to get out in front of him. He wanted to do it himself. This happened uh, a few years back with the Iran nuclear deal. Chuck Schumer called President Obama to tell him he wasn't going to be there on it. Uh, and the, the White House went out and got in front of Schumer and sandbagged him. So some of this is like, there. there's a little bit of, I'm sure Joe Manchin would have liked to have called Joe Biden and told him, I'm going to go out and do this. And I'm going to say this uh, doesn't mean I'm a no forever. I don't think he trusted that, you know, the white house political apparatus wouldn't have tried to get out in front of him on it. But he I also trusted that the white house political apparatus isn't competent enough to have gotten out in front of him. But I also <laughs> think when Joe Biden got a call from a staffer to his staffer saying that Manchin was going to do this 30 minutes before, if if it were me who was involved in the negotiation, if I was in Biden's shoes, I'd be like, no, Jen, you put out the statement because I don't need to say anything back to that clown if he's not going to come tell me personally. You know, 
I, I just think they've lost sight of what what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, Trump isn't president. Um, right now. <laughs> the, the virus is back. Like, let's let's focus back on um the on the stuff that we can control. They got, I keep saying it, 50-50 Senate. There's only so much you can get done. And hopefully, hopefully they'll write the ship because we need it. We need steadiness. We need leadership. And it's it's possible. And then there's good stuff. So, you know, look, next year is going to be a busy year because I think they will focus back on their original agenda of governing through regulatory authority and executive action. They're going to be putting out the trillion dollar infrastructure package. They're going, they're going to be executing on that. So it will be a year filled with money going out to the states and programs being set up and, and a lot of good stuff and a lot of client opportunity there. And hopefully, you know, some, some steadiness and deal with some of the foreign policy challenges we have and, and the chips will fall where they may. Like, I think that's the best he can do to position the Democrats to keep the Senate, Patrick. And totally agree. I, I totally agree. Mark, Mark, you were famous last year on our podcast for during the heat of the campaign, just constantly kind of reminding us, like, we don't really know what this means. You had some some very uh, insightful phrase you would use, but basically saying that something's happening and we don't really know what it means yet. No, what I said, uh, because it's what history, uh, as an amateur historian, this is what the past has taught me. Something that hasn't happened yet is going to determine the 2022 election. And we won't know until, until we're looking back at it. So all these of the House being gone, and now there goes the Senate, too. L- little premature, but but we aren't ending the year on, on uh, a high note. Uh, I think, again, I'm repeating myself, uh, I, I think the facts are better than the narrative because there is no narrative. <laughs> yeah, to the, the, all the questions about what we don't know, inflation might get worse. Omicron might flame out. Uh, kids under the age of five are going to start getting vaccinated, hopefully second quarter of next year, God willing. There are going to be some monumental Supreme Court decisions that are going to probably fundamentally change the way Americans view huge, important, uh, very, very hyper-partisan issues. So, like, there's a lot. And and How about China may attack Taiwan? Russia may attack the Ukraine? And those are only the things we can think of. Right. It, right. It's more likely something we can't even imagine. Yeah. But I would argue some I would argue that we are leaving 2021 on a high note because of what didn't happen. Like I everybody knows I'm in I'm in the middle. Um I don't think the country as a whole wants to put a five trillion what's really a five trillion dollar package. On the table, I don't think that was going to be good no, no, for no. Democrats. Yeah, I just want to be clear. When I say we're not ending on a high note, it isn't build back better, good riddance. Uh, I'm I'm back to virus. my seat. Yeah, we are not ending on a good COVID note, and that's unfortunate. Right. But as Patrick right. said, 
give it 90 days. This thing may have come and gone and it's the beginning of the end or Martians are invading. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it's just because these calendar years end in winter and these things just always seem to be worse when we're all... Well, I want to wish everybody on our way out the door, Howard, that reminds me, I want to wish everybody a happy winter solstice. So, yes. Wednesday morning, you get two minutes of daylight for six months. You pick up six hours, and then you start heading into the abyss again. Counting up. I love it. I love it. Towner's down in Florida. Caitlin, are you down in Florida? I will be tomorrow afternoon. Okay, so you guys are in sunnier places. And And guys, happy hour. I might be south of there. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. God only knows. God only knows. But what what a year. I will be holding down the north. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What a year, uh, but a great year with all of you and happy holidays. Um, one and all Mark, Caitlin, Patrick Towner. It's been fun. And we will of course be back with 40 plus more episodes in, in 2022, I hope. And I think, uh, I am going to, as a special surprise, since you guys have been listening all pandemic to trumpet lessons from the Schweitzer household. (laughs) I'm going to send our engineers audio of let it snow being played on the trumpet to be dubbed in as our outtake on the, uh, on the podcast. So there we go. So happy holidays, everybody. Happy Happy holidays. Happy new year. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.